because we're really bad at them. Yeah. So, uh, hi. hi. Welcome so. to Emo Social Club. <laughs> All right. uh, we have another interview today uh, with Maria and Ariel from Black Lives Matter Chicago. Mm -hmm. Did not check to know if that was the correct name. So that is it. flying by the seat of my pants on all the information I, I double have. checked so it's on actually Facebook. Yes, yes. It's black individuals of import. It's actually blackassfamily.com. Blackassfamily.com is your website. I'm gonna roll with that. Let me just grab my All right, phone. Guys. <laughs> Ooh, um, so yeah, we are uh, we're talking with you guys because we're doing a an event coming up uh, next week, week oh after. Uh, week after, I was week like, after. December nineteenth. Yeah, yeah. You've been uh, you've been doing a lot of planning and uh, and posting about it, so I know you're probably like really stressed out about doing it. Always. I'm, <laughs> I'm at uh, about 80% stressed on average, and then starting next week, I'll probably be at 110, so love that. <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah, so we're bringing back Emo Karaoke for a night to support Black Lives Matter Chicago. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about like why you wanted to do this event specifically, and uh, kind of how it all connects? Um, well... Uh, I grew up very much into emo and uh, pop punk and like some metal, but like we won't really go into it. Um, you like that, right? <laughs> right? Oh god! But uh, I grew up in high school. I ended up being in the suburbs in a very white, very white neighborhood. Like in our high school, I think my brother and I were two of eleven black kids, and. Uh, so I was into emo and pop punk because that's what we were surrounded by. And my dad introduced me to Linkin Park, so there was that. Yeah. Uh, and because of it, everybody else, like when we would go back to see family, they would be like, oh, you're super white. Like, oh, you're real white. And like, this is what you're into. And like, Ariel wants to be one of those kids. Uh, and like being an adult and being in organizations like Black Lives Matter, you find out that literally every black person is a fucking nerd. Like, we are, we're like, it's like, we're like seen in school, which we are. Like last night, uh, one of our organizers were like, you're black, so that makes you 10% cooler 100 times. Uh, but like, like everybody's like into emo and pop punk, like whether they want to like admit it or not. And there's so many like black kids that also grew up like being called super white and were outcasts because they were into it and so uh one was to show that like black folks are totally into it too and two was also like gonna be totally honest to get that white people money mm -hmm. so like <laughs> it really be like that all the older white people in like their 30s they're ready to throw their money because they're sad they're still sad they relive their youth Yes. It was a little bit better. I he, was actually he really knows more than I I was really disappointed <laughs> that I couldn't uh you know, it was it was rent, so I couldn't really go to the uh, the three oh three show over the weekend oh, with yeah. Emo Night and I'm like Man, why do I feel sad about that? <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, I'm like, I feel really sad about that. But uh, here's the thing, though. Unless you saw 303 over the summer at Warped Tour, I feel like you didn't miss out too much. I uh, probably. I've seen 303 a lot, so... <laughs> 
for yeah that. for reference I, I was nostalgic before nostalgic oh okay was I mean, the first time I saw the first time I saw 303 I was it was the summer before I started freshman year of high school my dad took me to warp tour and I saw 303 my dad's like 303 fucks and I was like hey, dude. <laughs> then he went home and he tore into their whole entire discography <laughs> I wish that could happen with my parents. <laughs> right. It's not happening. My dad's like, Journey rocks. I mean, my, my dad's like that, too. My dad's in the 80s, but my dad also listens to, like, Good Charlotte, and he, like, introduced me to Fall Out Boy when I was younger. Nice. He downloaded um, Chicago so two years ago and put it on my iPod next to Barbie Girl by Aqua. Because I was, like, eight, nine. I was eight or nine years old. Yeah. At the classic iPod. I was, like, the coolest kid in Catholic elementary school. <laughs> That's like the the emo pop punk like backstory. Catholic mm. elementary school. Oh yeah, not for me, but <laughs> for white people, for you know white white people. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, you were into emo, and then uh, I know that you also have some connections through Riot Fest. Yeah. So I went to the emo pop punk karaoke night when y'all were doing it mm-hmm. for. Not this past Riot Fest, but the one before. Yeah. And I like I was already excited, and then all these people like, showed up on a weekday yeah. at ten o'clock at night to <laughs> like sing pop punk songs, and I was like, "What? Like this is <laughs> the best thing ever!" It was so much fun, and I think about it all the time because my best friend's girlfriend did the last song that night. I think yeah. it was the last emo night, and she did um, uh, what was it? Is it work? Okay. Oh, oh the, the Taste use. of Ink, yeah. Yeah, Taste of Ink. Yeah. And I was like, yes, like that was the best <laughs> moment. And I have a picture from it. Yeah. And so when we were talking about fundraisers, I was like, this is going to be easy. Like, everybody's <laughs> going to come to this because we all, like, have emotions. And we're all, like, singing these songs in the shower in the car. Like, why not, like, sing it in front of a bunch of other people? It, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> we're still doing it. And so I was like, that's the best idea. And I brought it to the group, and they were like, if you want. So <laughs> they're like, I fucking guess. <laughs> yeah, those nights, like we did the first one, and we did. I didn't really know how it was gonna go. I was just friends with like all the dudes that were running Riot Feast, and they reached out and were like, "We want to do an emo karaoke night. Do you want to do it?" And I came with no expectation. We didn't have any song. Like I didn't know how we were doing it, and it ended up we were just pulling things from YouTube. And, like, that was how we were running it. And I was like, this is going to be, all right, let's try it. Let's see what happens. And it ended up being packed to the point where, like, one of the one of the dude, one of the owners of the space handed me two bottles of whiskey and was like, get on a table and start pouring it in people's mouths. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. This is a karaoke night. <laughs> what? what do you mean? <laughs> like, why am I pouring? And I'm like, fine. And so they, like, had this, like, table, like, set up in front. And they're like, you were supposed to perform on the stage. And the table was kind of like a barrier. And then ended up that everybody just sort of started stepping on the table and, like, performing on the table, which Love they were that. not prepared for at all. That's scary uh, if, you own a, if you own the building. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and they like, were like, it's cool if you're the it. person doing it, but, yeah. it, you know, liability reasons. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Luckily, like, all the owners are just like, yeah, fuck it. Like, we're just going to see what happens. And uh, one, uh, one girl got up and sang Mama and ended up, like, breaking one of the fans, like, first <gasps> night. Like, she was going off, and she was fucking crushing it. So we were all just like, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's so good. Like, everybody was, like, so into it. And uh, we were giving away Riot Fest passes at those those nights before the festival. I remember going uh, to those. Yeah, so, like, she obviously won the first. We're like, yeah. yes, yes, have as many as you want. That was awesome. Uh, so I'm just, like, up there, and she's doing that. Just like, yeah, come here if you want shots. <laughs> I'm like, why is this happening? And it, it, it was similar to that over time. The first one was probably the most ridiculous. And then yeah. I think the weekend of Riot Fest was also like, 
just crowded, just packed, like line out the door, people waiting to get in, and I'm like, yeah, this is pretty neat. Y'all had, like, people there, too, though. You had, like, artists. I think the night I went, Jeff Rosenstock was yeah, doing music. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was, like, a special Riot Fest Presents one where they took a bunch of random people who were playing that year, and they just plopped them in. They're like, guess what? They're a guest DJ now. <laughs> yeah, there were a couple of that. We had uh, the Halloween one, too. We had um, Jake from Sleep On It. Yeah. And we had uh, Adam Siska from The Academy Is and yeah. Derek Grant from Alkaline Trio, which was... Very cool. Didn't he get on stage with some girl to sing Mercy Me? Uh, yeah. Like yeah, for, I remember. Uh, I was like, like oh my god. And I was yeah. with a friend who didn't really know Alkaline Train. He's like, who's that? And I'm like, who the fuck are you? Why are you with me? <laughs> that's, that's one of the trio. I was You're like, in Chicago. A three. Yeah. My guy. <laughs> and then it was weird because like, Alkaline Train is one of my favorite bands. And then I go, I go to a beauty bar and he's DJing there too. And I end up like seeing him and I'm just like, hey. And he's like, hey Brian, how's it going? I'm like, fuck. One guy from Alkaline Trio knows my name. I'm like, this is not the, this isn't the timeline I was supposed to be in. I'm in the wrong one. <laughs> Please pull me out of this timeline. Bring me back to my anonymous one. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, those nights were just so good. I, a lot of people have been like begging me to bring them back, and I'm like, yeah. it's not really up to me. But now I'm just like, yeah, let's fucking do it. Like people are there. Like or a couple of people in the uh, group were like, or the event. We're like, can you please like do it again? And I'm like, yeah. oh, we'll yeah, see. This isn't even him or This is not even like my thing. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> it's kind of uh, the, for for the audience at home. This is a one-off, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, we wanted to do it for a good cause. And uh, uh, I know you have a lot of like Riot Fest artists and Chicago artists that are donating raffle prizes to it. Uh, we can get into who those those cool cats are, but uh, yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's gonna be a pretty eventful night. It's gonna be a good one. Uh, but for now, it's just a one off. So yeah. we'll see if we do more of them over time. If you but. approach us and you proposition it, and it seems like it would be pretty decent, maybe. Yeah, yeah, we're open minded. <laughs> um, yeah, who are some of the people that are uh, are supporting it? Um, for local folks, we got uh, Turnspit mm-hmm. is donating merch. They're donating, I believe, an album and a T-shirt. So that's going to be great because yeah. we love Turnspit. Jillian is my girl. Um, absolutely not donated a package of like uh, like a vinyl and a bag and a CD. It's Ooh. dope. It's like your latest vinyl. It's so pretty and I love it. Um, who else local? La Armada is donating. Ooh, which is like, good. oh my god! I was like, yes, bring in the brown bands, uh, and they're just like so good, and they like rage. Dude, they're, they're more than just a brown band. They fucking go and do work. When they're yes, not here in Chicago, shut you down. They do a work. Yes, they do. <laughs> oh, anyway, we love bands that sorry. organize. It's our shit right oh, yeah. there. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that is that it for local. Uh, I think it is, but then, like, for outside of Chicago, like, Jeff Rosenstock is sending merch. Andrew W.K. sent a, bo- uh, sent a signed bobblehead. Yeah. So that's, that. like, dope. <laughs> See, that's the stuff that makes me feel like I'm in the wrong timeline, because I think back to, like, four or five lifetimes ago, like, when Whoa. Andrew W.K. was a whole different type of character, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I was just like, and I'm just like, this is such a weird, has, like, like, inspirational messages yeah. now and, like, yeah. different columns for, yeah. like, different, like, magazines and online. Like, he does stuff for Vice, mm-hmm. and it's just like, this is why you should keep partying, and I'm like, who are you? <laughs> well, fun fact, too, actually, he, um, apparently, this was a little before my time, at my college radio station, they'd interviewed Andrew W.K., 
And he apparently loved the town that my college station was in, and he loved my college radio station. Was like, oh, I love this area. And I was, we were like, okay, there has to be like some other connection. Like he had to live here or something. Nope, he just loves this random town in western <laughs> suburbia, Illinois, in the suburbs of Chicago, and this random college radio station in the western sub- suburbs of Chicago, just because. And I was actually at, doing press at Riotfest one year, and Andrew WK was there. And he came up to him, and I was like, I have a windowed sticker for you. He's like, oh, my God, that's so cool. I'm like, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> this is a warp. He's great. He's like a, One of the he, nicest he's a gift. People. He's a gift. Truly. We don't deserve Andrew WK. We do not. I don't know. Or Ezra Miller. Just a side note. We don't deserve Ezra Yo, Ezra. 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 Low-key. Low-key. You know how I know Ezra Miller? <laughs> what? Ezra Miller used to show up at Occupy Wall Street. Not in the daytime when the cameras were there. He would be out there at night with us organizing <gasps> oh, the no people shit. who are in the buildings to get permission more. to sleep out there. I had no idea he was famous until way after the fact. <laughs> way the fuck oh after the fact. Oh my God. Yeah, real wow. life. My real friends life. are about to flip a shit as wow. soon as I text this. And they them. should and write him a letter. <laughs> yeah, and hey, should. Ezra, if you're still out here, I'm still out here. What's up? Proud of you. Have you seen his latest, uh, like, for Paper Magazine and Playboy mag- Magazine, his photo sets? Oh, no, I didn't. I never oh thought God, of him in that way. We don't, that's even more why we don't wow. deserve him. Yeah. Oh, okay. We don't he deserve him even honest. more. He literally was like, I'm looking for a man who, like, I, like who thinks they deserve me or something like that. Like, he has a staff, Ooh. and I was like, ooh. Okay. <laughs> Bitch, me too. That's right. Bitch, me too. I have serious problems with Ezra. Because he did that documentary. Which one? I I heard about that. And I heard that he was trying to, like, make it so it was, like, a 360 perspective or something like that. I was was having a little bit of trouble. The murder of Mike Brown. Uh, He followed the police officer. Um, Wait, this happened? From his perspective. Ezra, well, you never call me. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, fear goes both ways. But I'm like, there was no fear. Bro. You went to his house. You shot him (laughs) in front of his mother's house. He was a child. There was no fear. His hands were in the air. Like, there's no fear. And so, like, I can't get down with that. And I support my queer folks. I am a queer person. But it's like, at the same time, you just put, you just threw this child under the bus for the sake of art. Yeah. Yeah, For the sake of fear. Like, yeah. I just remember trying to read his <laughs> statements and like trying to reason with it. I'm like, I see where you're going, but it was like such a runaround that if you weren't like critically thinking, which a lot of people surprisingly don't, you would definitely accept it at face value. You'd be like, yeah. it's just, you know, it's whatever. It's okay. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, this just doesn't sound right. Or like there's something missing here. But it doesn't make any sense. Like, there's one little hole here, and I need to stitch it together. Yeah, because you have to think of it as, like, to say that both sides of fear is completely, one, it's a centrist idea, and two, it's a white patriarchal idea. Because it's it's saying that, in this case, this black child's fear did not matter. This black community's fear did not matter. Because you look at Ferguson, Ferguson has a history like a, a long, deep, dark history of police brutality. They've got sex rings, like sex trafficking rings that are held by police in Ferguson. Uh, what is it? Like every one in three homes has multiple warrants mm-hmm. from oh, the wow. police. Yeah. And these are just everyday average people have warrants. 
And actually, the funny thing about warrants is the way that the St. Louis metropolitan area is set up, it's like a million counties. And so a lot of times you'll have to pass through a bunch just to get from work or whatever. So people have multiple warrants in multiple counties, like wow. from the same household. Like, it's really, and all you do is go to work and come back. Wow. And that's not one in three yeah. people, that's one in three households. Yeah. And that's the right, I have to double check that number, but I do believe it is one in three. Point so, is, you bogey Ezra, okay? And it was only <laughs> scary on both sides because Mike Brand's hands were, hands were up and his hands are black. You know what else is black? Guns, okay? Black people, scary. Black people, scary. Black scary. Guns. <laughs> <laughs> Ezra, don't do that, okay? And, uh, stop. Stop it. <laughs> I'm just so scandalized and I would have just been living in my, in my memories if y'all hadn't told me that he made a documentary, you know? I got you. I got you, black fam. Thanks. Knowledge <laughs> is power. It really is. So uh, why don't we talk a bit about what Black Lives Matter Chicago uh, does, talk a bit about the organization, talk a bit about uh, what you guys do with it, what you guys do for it, and uh, yeah, let's hear a, bit, hear a bit more about you guys. Uh, we don't sleep. <laughs> um, no, we sleep sometimes. Uh, Basically, Black Lives Matter Chicago started um, after the death of Mike Brown. It started from the riots of uh, in Ferguson um, when our colleague, Aislinn, uh, went to Ferguson and came back and was like, we got to do something, and started the Black Lives Matter chapter here. And so a lot of our focus, of, of course, as most of Black Lives Matter, is focusing on police brutality. Like we work a lot with the Chicago Alliance against Alliance against racist political repression, um, and they are trying to get CPAC enacted, which is uh, Civilian Police Accountability Council, uh, meaning that it would be a step toward abolition. Uh, that we would have civilians that would be on a council that would be able to say what happens to police officers when they brutalize our communities, when they murder uh, a black child, a black person. Um, what happens then? We get to decide. They don't just get their pension. They don't just get fired. Where do we go from there? Uh, and it would also give the people of our communities a voice because they don't have a voice. Like right now, 40% of the city budget goes to police. 41% after the recent budget increase, which went from $4 million a day to $4.5 million in 2019, with an extra $15 million for settlements, bringing it to a total of $35 million. They decided to set aside for the people they will run over and chases they're not supposed to do in the city, will shoot when they're not supposed to, will tase into heart attacks, and uh, possibly sexually assault. Definitely sexual assault. 41%. 41%. So it's like stuff like that, like they, making sure that uh, the people of the communities, especially specifically black and brown poor communities, have more of a voice in what goes on. Um, and so like that's a lot of Black Lives Matter focus, uh, working with the families mm. of folks murdered in Chicago. We do a lot with the families. Uh, one specific would be uh, Dorothy Holmes, who is the mother of Ronald Ronnie Man Johnson, who was killed the week before Laquan McDonald mm -hmm. uh, by George Hernandez uh, in uh, Bronzeville. No, Washington, Washington Park. Park. Yeah, on 53rd King. Mm -hmm. uh, and he, so we work a lot with her to get his case opened back up and to get George Hernandez sent off to jail the same way that Jason Van Dyke did. And of course, we work a lot on the trial for Jason Van Dyke. We work a lot with Asada's daughters. Kind of honestly, like saying this, 
Black Lives Matter, if it has to do with black lives, we're there. Black people stuff. We also organize radical spades games. I think we need to, what we need to do is make a video compilation of different members chasing Rom out of spaces. Because now, like, me, Dorothy, you, like, we just chase Rom. He run this morning. Wow. I feel like he runs for most, most people on at this, this point. Yeah. And a lot of our friends, actually, basically all of our friends, basically now that you've been seen publicly with us, you should go chase him. Like, I'm telling you. Wow. Wow. There's, Just, a, there's a Twitter hashtag called Romwatch, and yeah. you know that you can like see like people show up at spaces that he's supposed to speak at, places he's having lunch, and we show up and we scream No Cop Academy at him, or we scream the chant No mm. Cop Academy, 95 mil for community, mm. which if y'all don't know what that is, basically Rom and Emma Mitz are trying to uh, build a 95 million dollar cop academy in West Garfield Park. Mm -hmm. uh, which No Cop Academy, which was started out of this, is mostly made up of youth. Uh, went to went to well, you can actually talk more on that because you did the canvassing for that mostly. Yeah, so No Cop Academy is a campaign. It's so first of all, it's one of the trendiest campaigns this year, which is not what anyone expected when it started. Everyone told us it was impossible, um, and now like all the candidates, even cops running for office, are like No Cop Academy. We're like, what do you? Whatever, okay, <laughs> troll. Um, but like, or I mean, sure, yeah, do it, whatever. Um, support us, sure. Um, but the main thing about it is it's youth-led, adult-supported. So that, I think, is a really like powerful organizing model. Um, and so I felt really excited and learned a lot supporting the youth in helping organize the canvas. So, um, and now the youth are like canvassing nonstop, basically talking to people throughout the city. It started in the neighborhood where the Cop Academy is going to be built, asking them what you want to do with your funds in the city. Um, and now going throughout the city and kind of getting people to wrestle with like, what does our budget really mean? Like in real terms and in, in like tires you got to fix because the, the road's not taken care of and extra tickets you got to pay because we're not um, using our taxes right so we have to rob poor people more like um, in your schools and the in the, the people going to jail who you spend all this money to keep them in jail and you could have spent a fraction of that to put them in rehab rehab or a job program or a house like get people to have these conversations and the, so um, but yeah, it really started. It really started with um, young people and artists just being like, "This is this is ridiculous. We've spent enough money. Forty percent is enough percent <laughs> yeah. of enough of a percentage." Went into West Garfield and knocked on doors, and was it eighty-seven percent of residents said that they didn't want a cop academy? Oh, eighty-seven percent had never heard of it. Yeah. Oh, had really? Never heard of it. Emma Mitz is not doing her job. She's yeah. trash. <laughs> She's trash. Yeah. No, over 90% didn't want it. Yeah. And then, like, of even when you, the people who, so even when you, like, look at, there were a small percentage of people, because we asked them, what would you do with $95 million? And for the percentage who said they would spend it on policing, when you ask them what they really mean, they're not like more cops. Because it's one of the most, that's one of the most heavily policed neighborhoods in the country. Mm. Because Chicago has more police per capita than any other city. I think it's either one or two. Number one or number two for that. And then West Garfield is one of the highest concentrated areas in this city for police. So people were asking for that. They were asking for jobs for felons. They were asking for um, uh, violence prevention programs, community efforts. And... Um, and so it's really shameful that Rom and Emma Mitz are, and, and a number of really like a lot of aldermen are putting out this message that it's about public safety, which we know isn't true. You know, mm -hmm. we 
They don't need more training. No. That is not, people think that more training will stop police abuse, but there has been more training every year. They get, mm. they're like constantly adding on to the training mm. and there is no change. That's not, that's not, it's not the goal. And one of the most insulting things I hear, Tony Folks, Alderman Tony Folks said this, and she seems like the sweetest little auntie of an alderman until, and she came out of the community, but I don't know what happened to her roots. She was like, oh, you know, um, the current cop academy it just doesn't look nice. It's so beat down. And I'm like, have you ever been in a public school in Chicago? Yeah. Have you ever? Mm. Well, the same because thing they is, got led. The same thing is, too, is that they yeah. closed down a good abundance of CPS schools in the past, at least, like, yeah, in the past however many years Rom has been in charge. And then they just recently closed how many mental health institutions, too? Mm -hmm. To the point where, you know, individual communities are saying we have to pitch in with our own funds and money yeah. to help our community, which is amazing, but it should not have to have to come to this. Yeah. yeah. And I spoke with today when I went to, um, I hate bringing up that it was me because I didn't <laughs> but when I went to uh, call Ram out, he was speaking at a men of color in, uh, as educators uh, luncheon, which is like, uh, I love my people. I love my people so much. I will I will fight for my people to the very end. But it's like a room full of like black uh, educators in hundred dollar suits uh, uh, talking about going into the communities and educating people. And Ram is speaking at it. And I like of course stand up and I scream no cop academy at him. And I walk out screaming fuck twelve. And uh, a guy like is talking to me and he's like I don't know why y'all would do this like. Um, this that money like they can't change like all there's money that goes towards infrastructure and they can't move that money to something else like it has to go to infrastructure and I was like first of all they can't move that money um, they move around the budget all the time yeah. look at all the money they're pulling out of our communities or look at all the money that like you've got like when it comes to city ticketing there are 10 uh, zip codes in the city of Chicago that are ticketed the most and eight of them are black and brown communities and when you look at the money from city tickets from like driving non-violation tickets um, that money you can't really figure out where it's going it like go it's like what uh, 26 million dollars anyway I'm not gonna go into that but basically it's like you have all this money that is coming out of these communities that you're not putting back into them and then it's like you've got 95 million dollars which we already know is going to be more than 95 million dollars once they start building it it's going to end up being like what like uh 200 million police themselves have said police themselves at a public hearing for the consent decree last month said that it would be closer to a billion dollars which fits our estimates because a recent similar facility built in the bronx cost 950 million dollars which was 200 million more than had been estimated so for them to tell us that it's going to be 100 million doesn't make sense on that level on another level they haven't told us where they're gonna get the money from and on the level of you got to spend it on infrastructure ain't nobody say don't spend it on infrastructure we just have enough police infrastructure we, yeah. we need some other yeah. kinds you've got we need some schools other. that are falling apart there's there are public schools where ceilings are falling through there are public schools that have so much mold they can't provide lunch the kids can't go to lunch Anyway, we've gone and we've like given you so many stats. Like, this is all this stuff. No, this stats are important. Yeah. This is one uh, for shock value, so it gets people's attention. And two, it's factual and it leads it further. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the things that you know our community. I I think that the emo community is fairly white and fairly comfortable and fairly suburban and fairly like you know 
everything is going okay for them, uh, generally. They uh, just you know. hate their town. And they hate their town, <laughs> and they want to move, you know, get out of Florida. Living in a double town. I mean, I'd yeah. get out of Florida, too. What are you talking about? Well, yeah. Most <laughs> um, people would. But it's, it's you know, yeah. statistics and then information is, like, stuff that our, you know, the emo community overall doesn't really know. And so I think it's good that, like, you know, that's my goal. My uh, The goal for the podcast is just to sort of give that information to people so that you're like, wow, we had no idea. And especially, mm-hmm. like, Chicago locally, like, all we really hear in the news, the public news, is that it's uh, it has the strictest gun laws, but we have the highest gun crime. And, and all of these sort of, like, simple answers to a complex problem mm-hmm. that isn't really being solved. And, uh, and personally, I don't think it's about party. It's not about politics, right or left. It's about, you know, it, it's pretty right. much... Chicago is all Democrats, and and they're not they're not solving it because they're Democrats. Like right. it's it's not being solved because it's Chicago, and we think that this is the solution, and put band aids on problems rather than solve like the issue at the root of the cause. And that's sort of just how Chicago is, and that's the problem. <laughs> uh, so mm-hmm. it's to me is important to give those statistics out there because people aren't aware of them. A lot of people don't need to deal with this in their immediate vicinity. They don't have a community that suffers from these issues. Um, Chicago is one of the more segregated cities in the country. Uh, Despite what we might think, it is very segregated by neighborhood. So you don't see it in your neighborhood. And then with gentrification, we're just pushing more people into smaller and smaller areas until eventually the problem is just going to hopefully... I don't know. (laughs) But, uh, you know, eventually you're going to have to realize that we are doing that that this is happening and that our community the youth community uh you know people who have grown up with more i don't know if it's open-mindedness or or what it is about our community but we need to be aware of these things happening so that we can be a part of the change as well and and come together as uh as communities to solve it and so i i that's why i think it's really interesting that we're doing this sort of like emo and black lives matter thing because i feel like they should go together way more like there's Bro. no reason yeah. they shouldn't. Um, most of the people I know that are part of the emo community are black and brown people. Uh, and then oh, there's a lot of white people that are driving in from the suburbs, I think. Um, there's right. people living in the city that all live with me here in Wicker Park. But, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, Ryan has some friends out here. Yeah, I have some he friends. Some. But, I mean, a lot of the people that come to our things, like uh, every time I would go to my Chemical Romance show, it's primarily... Uh, uh, Latinx people. It's, yep. it's like that's that's a, a major audience for this style of music, and it's like, well, why aren't we hearing their issues? And I don't know if it's because all the bands are are generally white people, and there's not enough people of color in bands. They in the bands. They bands don't get play. They don't get shows. They don't get treated yeah. right when they do get play and when they do get shows, and they don't get treated right when they get deals. You know, and it's like, and then. And so it's it, it's it's tough. And then like you do develop like, but there are pockets of solidarity within the emo community, which is where my relationship to it came from. Mm-hmm. You know, like a young young weird queer black kid, and then there were these people having these weird shows. <laughs> you know, like, what the fuck is this? Bunch of kids wearing weird clothes and makeup and and all that. Yes, and I was like, well, they all seem dissatisfied with white conservative ideals, and me too. This is great. <laughs> this is cool. Oh, I was about to say, like, even though, you know, you may have been in the scene, have you ever, you know, experienced or, like, visualized in front of you just, like, the segregation that happens between people who are, like, black and brown versus, like, the white kids who are there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, like, 
when you go to when you go to shows a lot of the time uh all the black weird kids um it's like they're either like together and everybody else is you know mm. at the show or they're all like sectioned off by whatever white group they came with Mm. And it's, it's, I mean, and it's fine because a lot of times that's how it ends up happening. I always wish that more, because you have to remember too, like if you're looking at Chicago alone, uh, the black population is not in Ricker Park or Logan Square yeah. or um, Avondale mostly, it's not, or Avondale anymore, Ricker Park anymore, Humble Park anymore. Uh, they are on the south side or the west side. And those, there are emo kids in those communities because you have to think of like, what, it, what, it, what is it to be black? What is a black experience? It is a lot of shame. It's a lot of dysmorphia. It's a lot of pain. It's a lot about hating your town. It's a lot about hating to see your friends constantly dying. So when we're listening to songs like from the Wonder Years, they're talking about devil in my bloodstream. And you're like, like you look outside and like, there are people literally dying on the street. There are people overdosing on the street. You're like aunts and cousins and uncles. You're losing them. And then you also have to lose people to the state. You have to lose people to police. You're losing like everyone around you. And you know those words. You like feel it in a completely different way. Mm. You connect with it. Um, but they don't reach those areas. And those kids really get like, like it makes me kind of emotional because it's like, I fully understand that. And that's how I connected to emo a lot other than like people just showing it to me like I I get this even though I know it's not talking about me like I get this and so like I see it so not so much at shows the segregation like I see is there a bunch of white people but I know that those communities are out there and I know that they're strong which is why you have like place like Black and Brown Punk Collective or Audrey's Revenge Audrey's Revenge Audrey's Revenge is the fucking shit all day every day which, if y'all don't know, do y'all know about Audrey? I don't know no. about Audrey's Revenge, named after Audrey Lord. Praise her. Um, but, bless. Audrey's Revenge is this, like, queer, black, killer-ass, horror, metal, punk, goth, weird shit fucking film company. God damn it, they make the sickest, like, best local horror. I don't know. I think they might have moved... Because, like, one of their lead people moved from Chicago to Philly. But, like, look, it's Chicago-rooted, though. And y'all should check it out if you don't know because they the shit. And some of my friends in their movies, plug, plug, plug. <laughs> Sorry. That's awesome, though. Sorry. Yeah, well, we'll we do, like, show notes. So we'll add those at the bottom yeah. there just okay. to say, like, oh, here's some, uh, some more links, some more readings, some more. Yeah, definitely check out Black and Brown Punk Collective, too, because they are, like, constantly putting on shows. A lot of people don't want to go to them because they're like, I do not want to go to the back of the yards at 9 p.m. at night. And it's like, I also do not most of the time either, but I'm telling you that it's worth it. It is totally, and it's like to see these shows and to go into those DIY spaces. It's like, I trekked my ass out to Humboldt Park back in the day mm -hmm. to come to like, freaking, boy, I don't think Gator Loss was in Humboldt Park, but like, to Friendship Fortress to, in Logan Square and like, back. And so it's like, why can't people like why can't you trade cars? off like that's yeah. an it's, again it's yeah. an you know an inherent station you know station of fear mm -hmm. that has been instated into people for you know centuries essentially mm -hmm. well it's the same thing if you start to look down in Pilsen too you see a lot of gentrification going on down there right now but you have a really <laughs> heavy punk scene because they are inherently political in the punk scene so you have that you also have heavy metal too which can also be po very political mm -hmm. so you have a lot of those brown and latinx individuals down there more into that and more immersed 
But my other discussion thing that I've always wondered this, why is it just because we see a lot of people who are who are in the emo scene as we don't see on basically are they not able to stand there and be like, oh, I uh, understand how my brethren of other color feel. Or are they are they just being selfish or do, are they not open minded? Because my biggest thing is I've only seen them only talk about, you know, maybe a handful of hot topic issues, which are all very, very important. But at the same time, if you try to talk to most of them about, you know, racial discrimination, police shootings, I mean, on Twitter after the Laquan McDonald trial, you know, there's people I saw and I saw one um, black photographer in the area. So, you know, comment on it. And then I saw this list of people like, I, I don't know what that is. And they were all a bunch of white kids from usually the suburbs, but there are a few, you know, from around Chicago. Yeah. But it just blows my mind that I, I just have such a disconnect with it. And I don't also want to go out of the way and say these white kids are inherently selfish for it because I don't think that's what it is. No. So I've always just wondered why. why. I think it's because when you look at a lot of the things that happen, it's isolated. Um, what happens in black and brown communities is mostly isolated to black. Like, we know what's going on. Um, a white kid from the suburbs is not. And it's not going to be on the news. And when it is on the news, it's sensationalized. Mm-hmm. It's pushed to get, like, so that they can get more views. But the actual facts and, like, the breakdown are not there. Um, I mean, like... For example, when we're talking about prison, and I say this because it's still like super fresh on my mind, I read Blood in the Water, um, which is on uh, Attica. I don't know if y'all know about Attica, but there was um, um, not a revolt, but a prison strike mm. that was held in the 70s at Attica Prison, uh, and that ended very uh, violently with uh, many prisoners being killed by police uh, and then tortured after. Uh, and when it happened, a bunch of newspapers like got the story and immediately put out what they heard as opposed to waiting and doing research and waiting to find out what, at, like for the uh, coroner's report and everything. Uh, and then like, but they got like a ton of money off of it, and then they could just come back and go, oh, we're sorry, we had the wrong information, here's the actual, but the damage has already been done. And that's the same thing that happens with news now. You've got like local news stations that are like, oh, here's the story, well, this is all that, like, I'm just gonna dump it out. You know what I mean? Or like come up to rallies and then like grab the first person and have them talk. It's like, it's all sensationalist as opposed to like, like you've got like great news people like Vice when the Laquan I hate to like talk about because I don't really trust news I'm like lol I'm like okay Vice on a good day though yeah, yeah I was about to say yeah. they also yeah. had that huge good. they had that huge sexual sexual assault thing yeah. go down too yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. I will say they have good PR because they really try to sweep that under the rug as quickly as oh, they could. Dude, on a good day, they real good. They, yeah, no, I agree. On you. a good day, yeah. yeah. They've got great journalists that are like, let's go down and like, let's actually talk to the people that are doing the work, like the people you don't see. And I think that's why it's it, it's it's so like it's not. I don't think that they're inherently selfish. I do think that selfishness does come out because it's like mm-hmm. if you do when you get older and you realize like I could live my life and be really happy and go to shows and not have to like think about all of this or I could think about it and be depressed all the time but it's like also you are literally listening to music about being depressed all the time yeah mm-hmm. uh, so what's the what's the difference yeah. what's the issue <laughs> you but can be like, sad about yeah. everything instead of just everything. yourself 
it's like action too. Like I think there's a certain amount of like, and I do think, I'll be honest, I do think this is like a part of white American capitalism. Period. It wants us to be alienated, and I think this is something that anyone of any race can assimilate into and be like extra American. We're supposed to be alienated, and so you got a lot of like. Okay, so I've lived in a lot of like either lived in, spent youth in, got way too drunk and threw up all over the place, and a lot of DIYs, <laughs> you know, like all of us here, I'm sure. Um, but, um, you know, these are generally only possible in gentrifying areas mm. um, to, to really have them and have the, the convergence of, like, people who will come but also cheap enough rent. And it's like, it, it, in a certain level, okay, so here's the end, end game. Uh, we need all the music subculture folks to unite against the landlords with us. Because that's what it is, okay? People can't afford to do independent venues. Like, we need independent venues. We need independent record labels. We need independent everything for our fucking art. Mm -hmm. um, and so we can't. So then the only place you can go is to this hood that you're gentrifying. And now you've got your own struggle you're thinking about that's definitely not as severe as the person who's getting shot by the police. But what a lot of people don't realize... Like, it's not your fault if you come in as a part of gentrification. I think it's a major part in the city of the overlap between mm -hmm. the cultures. It's not necessarily your fault that this is where you can afford to live or where you want to live. Um, but if you're not, like, really getting creative, being bold about taking on landlords, taking on city zoning, like, engaging the government and doing the research that we have to do be to survive. Mm -hmm. And honestly, like, if you want to get out of the, the rat trap of, like, like, I knew people, you remember when ghost shit burned down? Yeah. I knew people that helped build that shit. Like, and, and, and it's really rough. Like, these are lifelong artists who are stuck in the cycle of, like, doing independent work on the fringe. And, like, we, the artists can live better. And the people of the oppressed communities can live better if we unite against the landlords. And that's personally where I would like to see a lot of, like, emo folks, like, turn that light on. Especially when the culture has a rebellion that's built into it. But it gets internalized. And then you go and you sit on your emotions. Mm -hmm. But if we connect with each other, we can, like, kind of do some shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> Maria comes with bars. Okay? <laughs> no, that's why I was like, you have to be there. If you look at, like, if you look online, you look up Black Lives Matter Chicago. I promise you, there will be like thirty videos of Maria just shutting shit down. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, but that's also like, yeah, but it's like, like forty-five videos of like, you know, I live this all of us though, and that's it why is. we need more people so we can put y'all in video. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> we don't. It is. It's you know, and that's what I mean, when I was in school and I took journalism classes, they told us they're like, if you want to pursue, you cannot go to any type of rally of any kind for social justice because you will not get hired. You will get immediately blacklisted. Wow. So as much as I would like to go to some things, I know that I cannot if I want to actually have a career as such, which is complete bullshit because most journal journalists for the most part are somewhat liberal. Because you have to report and, you know, be open-minded and be progressive and understand what's going on and see both sides of the spectrum on things and be able to be objective in the end. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> My thing, it's like, I guess that would, it would be, I would say not like a career um, because there are so many independent, uh, like, papers and yeah. news stations and websites that are that's their their specific interests you know it's like i feel like it's maybe like you couldn't get a job at washington post 
or the New York Times or you know CNN or wherever like those big corporations but it's like if that's what you want to do if you want to cover social justice those options are there like I've got we've got mm -hmm. I mean in organizing we've got so many journalist friends yeah. that like do this constantly mm -hmm. and have a career i mean they struggle more that's anything in organizing at all well, like you yeah. are not gonna you're not gonna make money you're gonna be broke yeah but you also like make a decision like you know what i'm gonna be broke for the rest of my life like that is uh yeah and, no, and the, i heard music journalism no, yeah, I was about to, yeah and like uh, the entire arts category i mean i feel like if you're in school for it specifically and one of your professors doesn't say listen you're not going to make shit, so you better fucking enjoy it. I don't think they're a good professor. <laughs> I just want to put that out there right now. Yo, but you can, no, but, you, but, but You I'm can if you, you get lucky. If you get lucky and you're able to make it, you can't make good money. Yeah, mm. but it's hard, you know? And then what if, suppose you get hired at Gawker, and then Hulk Hogan sues you, like, yeah. you know? <laughs> no longer, no, no more Gawker. Oh. Or uh, you get sold, like Mick did. Ooh. Yeah. 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 So, so that's the that's the struggle. But we gotta build independent media, y'all. We have to, and we have to build in, independent a lot of shit. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But we also gotta claim our resources. You know what I'm saying? And claim our rights to our space. There's a scarcity myth. You know what I'm? There's just it's, mm -hmm. a, there's not a scarcity of, of very much in America, unfortunately. At all. Yeah. It's like everything you could think of. There's so much of it already. Like you, you haven't even you haven't even thought of it, but somebody else has, and it's out there. Like that's um, just because it's not in the mainstream because they don't have the money for the ads, so that mm -hmm. it's constantly like hitting you. Doesn't mean it's not there. And then those those uh, organizations, those uh, papers, video, they all have followers, like major followings that you just don't know about because mm -hmm. they don't have the same amount of money mm -hmm. um I, I think i guess it's just like what is it that not to say like you obviously know way more about journalism than <laughs> i do uh but i'm just like just speaking on the journalism i do know like what is it that you want to accomplish uh and then i, I guess maybe go from there because I, I, I don't fully when it comes to professors, I'm like, whatever. I was gonna go to grad school, and then everybody that's in organizing with me is like, you're literally already doing it. You're gonna have to unlearn everything that they tell you anyway, and they're all bogus, so just don't go. Oh, wow. True. It's $100,000 for two years just to do social work. I mm. refuse. Mm -mm. Yeah, oh, wow. So, whatever. Mm -mm. Well, I dropped out of college, so I already don't, <laughs> I already don't know Wait. anything. <laughs> Luckily, I started out dumb. By stealing them, okay, and that's what you should do with knowledge because it's supposed to be free, and the people that have the money to go to Yale, who trust them anyway? Why do they get to I, have the knowledge? I, Honestly. If, if you told me, you're like, yeah, I went to this, like, school, like, any of the schools that, like, the presidents have gone to or yeah. their kids have gone to or, like, like if, if Donald Trump Jr. graduated from your college... I would not trust your college. I would be like, like "What's going on there? Like, you guys? I don't. I don't know what kind of ethics are you teaching like there." Like they allowed <laughs> this man to leave those doors and saying, "You have a degree. Go, go, do whatever you want." Definitely you are smart enough. Rock that hairstyle. You are just smart enough. Just slick it all back. Rock just hold it down. Don't let it get oh. away from you. Don't ever let your hair escape you. I kind of worry that, like, when I do my hair like this, I'm just sort of like a like a punk rock Don Trump Jr. No, stop. And I got, like, real nervous. When I got my hair cut, I was like, oh. fuck. <laughs> and then eventually well, I'm like, the all right, no, 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 I'm okay. Just I'm don't okay. get the Milo. Okay. 
No, no, Just look no. at me like this. Just don't like do that. Yeah, no. And don't start like fake tanning for no reason. I mean, I can't real tan for any reason. Okay, so you're fine. Just stay pale. Just stay pale. I plan to. Yeah, don't don't do anything else to that. Uh... Yeah, so I, I agree. I uh, honestly dropped out of college just because I felt like it wasn't... I, I, I was much more of a I would rather go do than than be here learning it from somebody else who did or, mm-hmm. or somebody else who know You know, it's like I feel like now knowledge is a bit more uh, easy to access. Like when I went to yeah. college, YouTube was sort of like growing. Like yeah. I, I acknowledge it as this is that I was watching Donald Glover do Derek comedy on his own website. It wasn't on YouTube yet. Dang. Like that's oh how long God. ago. Like yeah. So like then I started to realize that oh well that's how like Donald Glover like boosted himself up was he did his own comedy videos on his own website and now people are doing that on YouTube and they're sort of like learning through all of this and, and out there doing these things and I feel like what you're saying about independent media is like we have the majority of resources right in front of us I still yeah. think there's there's a certain amount of things that people need but uh, you know, you can do. We're doing this podcast yeah, in my fucking podcast. living room. Yeah, this is in my fucking living room, and I can't even figure out the goddamn microphones. But <laughs> you, know, you know, it happens. Like it, you know, it should happen. We're but, learning. But we're, you know, it's like we're doing it. The access is there. The the resources are all around you, and we all uh, hopefully come from communities where you have people that are like minded and want to uh, help you work out a message the same way. I think so. Uh, I, I, I like what you said because it, it sounds to me like, you know, let's get the communities together. Let's bring people into the same places. Let's uh, both talk our messages out and let's, bo- let's both understand where everybody's coming from. And then let's go support each other. Like yeah. in everything else that we do, support one another in what somebody else is going through. And don't sort of wall yourself off to this is my experience and nobody gets it. Nobody understands it. And I don't want to understand somebody else's experience. And I think that's like... I don't know what I've seen in a lot of people is they're 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 walling themselves off out of their own security, but also at their own detriment. They're losing access to other people who may have uh, not an answer to your problems, but at the very least, like there to support you in what you're going through in in whatever capacity that is. And I think that if you if you are shell if you're putting up a shell, then you're just gonna hurt yourself more than you're gonna help anyone. Have you ever had somebody? where you're trying to like discuss this type of issues with them and they just close you off like somebody in the scene more specifically where you're like hey like we're here we're, we like the same music and they're like i don't want to talk about that all the time people don't want to talk about politics they don't want to mm-hmm. talk about black lives and like sometimes i like talk to people and i'll be like i feel like uh this like talking about race just divides us all which is like my least favorite don't like that yeah. that's a false it uh, it's, it's just not an it's, it's, a, it's not a it's a cop out it's like, it's like you say that but I can't not be black you can it's, walk around and be like race is not a thing yeah. and I, like, well I mean and like I mean I I'm pr- like have the privilege enough where I'm very white passing like mm-hmm. I am very very pale yeah. but I know my one brother he's really dark skinned cause he looks and he looks like okay. he's Mexican yeah. and my other siblings when they tan they look Mexican but otherwise they're you know they're pretty also, white also we always know I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the cheekbones, bitch. That's, yeah, one of my friends in high school, actually, she was taking, um, it was a, a type of cultural class, and she came up to me, and she was like, you know, people in, you know, different um, ethnicities and race, they have different facial structures. So, 
you know, I could tell if you were Hispanic based on how your face is structured. I'm like, that's fucking wild. That's how we knew Rachel <laughs> like, Holy shit. Like, I was looking at that like, how did, they, how did anybody think that? Yeah. Like, how? Well, how did anyone <laughs> think that fake tan? I looked at her, I'm like, it just looks like she tanned too much. Right. And that's the thing. I'm like, how do <laughs> you let that pass? people don't tan. They just know they light skin. They family made fun of them, fun of them for it when they were little. They got over <laughs> it. Did they? <laughs> <laughs> I did I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, light skin. You beautiful the way you are, okay? I was going to say, like, we still got Drake. Never mind. <laughs> did it to himself, though. Light skin. So the emos shut down, though. Okay, well, this too is, is the emos, like, okay, so the emos are hurting themselves. First of all, because black emo happened. Lil Uzi Vert happened. Whole world different. Done. Okay? Happened. Second of all, Drake is emo. Drake is emo. Even if people don't really want to admit it, if you do, I yeah. mean, I don't listen to too much rap, and I wouldn't really listen to Drake, you know, as my first preference. Uh, but if you, you listen to, you know, if you listen to lyrics, you're like, wow, is he okay? Drake, he never, he never yeah. recovered from being on Degrassi, I guess. Yeah. 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 Frank Ocean, oh, yeah. Donald yeah. Is that great? I just, Tyler, the creator, I just listened to Juice World for the first time the other day. Yeah. And now I found out he's got a track coming out. Uh, produced by Benny Blanco and featuring Brendan Yuri, and I'm really? like, what the fuck? I want this. I just heard of this that guy. So I wild. just heard his song for the first time the other day, and I'm like, I want all of this music now. When I I'm saw like, is- I, when I saw Tyler the Creator over the summer at Lala, because I had to like watch my sister because she was in the pit and I was like on the side because I was dying from heat, and. I saw their pit go off, and then he was calling them out for not knowing how to do a circle pit in a normal mop pit. He was like, how fucking stupid. I'm like, God, I feel that. And then he pulled out an inhaler on stage, just dancing around doing puffs in his inhaler. I'm like, I feel that on a spiritual level. <laughs> and I mean, I, that was the first time I actually heard his music. I was like, oh, there's substance to this. Yeah. I can vibe with this. <laughs> Most of his stuff. Young Tyler. <laughs> Young Tyler. Some, some of it, he's getting there. This Come last on. album, Flower Boy, was my shit. He's adorable. Like, oh, Tyler. <laughs> he had to come a long way. He was, he was, uh, he was, uh, what's the word? Um, very repressed and uh, uh, had a lot of internalized homophobia. No, what happened with okay. him and Jaden? They're dating. But he, he won't admit it. Tyler won't admit it. That's what I'm trying to say. Bitch, we're dating, and Tyler's like. Silent. So I'm like, what happened? He still got that internalized homophobia. He went from talking about, like, saying the F word uh, to making this album and talking about being bisexual. Do you think that's what broke Frank Ocean's heart? Uh, (laughs) Frank Ocean is bisexual, but mostly dates men anyway. Mostly also because, like, the whole, like, thing with being a bisexual male and people and women, like, having an issue with that, or cis women having an issue with that. No, what I'm saying, do you think that, like, Tyler broke his heart, too? Oh. Just out here dating people and not admitting it. (laughs) Oh, that. Oh. uh, I I feel like I have a theory that they fucked. Like, I have, I just know. I know. You know, if they were to look at each other, you would be like, see it in their eyes. No. They did so much work together. There's like no way that those niggas were out here like fucking in the street. Like, I'm telling you, I like look at him every time I listen to Frank Ocean. He's like, you broke my heart. I'm like, it was Tyler. It was fucking, it had to be. Like, and so many votes on the down. Like, oh my God. Tyler, get it together, Jesus. Tyler needs to come out and like, he's like, you're out. You're already out. Like, be. But it's also like, I can't like say to you, like, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to like when when you especially like if you're coming out of community like the rap community is mm-hmm. is is uh, 
is very homophobic. And Jaden do too much. And Jaden does way too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, he needs to calm the fuck down. But <laughs> they have, like, to, like, come out of this community that is uh, historically homophobic, and then, uh, like, you are a male, um, and, and to, like, suddenly, like, have to be, like, open about sexuality mm-hmm. after, like, being in your, in the public eyes, you can't, like, do it quietly. You can't, like, slowly come out of the closet, you know, uh, because there's so many people watching you, and they're judging hardcore, and then that also means, like, you could be losing record deals. Yeah. You know, you could be, it puts him in a, a and not to say that that, that doesn't forgive it at all. Um, I, like... I, I feel like if you're gonna talk about it, then just be out. Like, but I also understand how hard it can be. Like, I'm queer and like still coming out to my family, so it's like <laughs> it's it's uh, it's it's difficult. So I can't fully fully be too mad at him. He's learning. He's doing it. But. Uh, yeah. Gay stuff. Always a great segue back into emo stuff. <laughs> Isn't that what brought? Like, well, I mean, I will. Me I will say, a few years ago, I read a New York Times article, and I knew it was kind of controversial because it's was a, a reporter going in and asking, like, why is there so much internalized hate and homophobia and oppression on mental illness and all this other ideals and um, toxic masculinity, and a lot of it came back to christian upbringing Mm -hmm. and it was you read it and you're like i understand but it was also like if you went either way no matter who was asking it it like turned real quick because it'd be like people saying like oh you're racist and they're like oh no i'm not being racist this is an actual issue that we know we see higher suicide and depression statistics you know in people of color and we're seeing this because there's a correlation between a strict Christian upbringing, which I feel like, you know, we also have toxic masculinity within, you know, white culture too. And you see it sometimes and a good majority of time because of a strict type of religious upbringing. Mass shootings. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> drop the mic. Don't drop the mic. That, that damages the equipment. I cannot afford never to drop do that this on, mic. We never do that on stage. So, so, it so, damages as long as the equipment. mic works, it's fine. Uh, or no. bring a mic for dropping, you know? Yeah, yeah. just bring yeah. an already yeah. broken no, mic. Like Mics for dropping. Yeah, so on the, on the 19th, they bring a busted mic, and if you feel like, mic. guys, if you're if you want a mic drop or bash it on the floor, whatever, bring your own because these are expensive. Also, yeah. you know, have a like really good joke to say before you do it. Yeah. Like, Make it worth don't it. Don't just come out there and be like, I did a really good job like singing, and then just drop it. You gotta like end it and just go like, yeah, and you know. Don't, don't make it be a stupid cool. joke that's gonna get you beaten up afterwards. Yeah. But if, yeah. it is, if it is that stupid, you might. You, also, you might just don't be yeah. listen. If you're coming to karaoke, don't tell <laughs> jokes. Don't. What are you doing? Just be a fucking yeah. emo and like <laughs> in the corner. Yeah. You know what's weird about emo though? Because like, okay, so I always struggled with accepting the strains of emo in my life. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, it's always like you know, like you know, you you hide in the in the back room and listen to like Art of Drowning or some shit, you mm-hmm. know, and you just are like, okay, yes, no one needs to. You know? Absolutely, yes, right? I do. You know, because I mean? you know? then, like, you know, because then a lot of the stuff, like the especially like the political stuff, stuff more overt, as well as the rage and stuff, just easier to express, you know, mm-hmm. in like metal and punk and shit. But emo, actually, as emotional as it is, it's really cathartic and fun. Mm-hmm. It's like fun in a way, and pop punk is like fun in a way that, like, yeah, well, mm-hmm. sometimes 
No, like emo is radical. Sometimes, like Coheed was, because they were like in a revolution in space. <laughs> True. Yeah. Like, you right. Emo like rejects. Toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. Oh, true. It true, true, true. Completely rejects it. Like, there are some bands that are like, like, they're trying to bring, but like, you got men in eyeliner mm-hmm. and lipstick mm-hmm. and foundation and like wearing girl jeans. Like, that was the whole like thing in the early 2000s. Yeah. Like, emo and pop punk are pretty fucking radical. Like, the idea of like pop punk, I'm gonna write like a bunch of songs, like an entire album that's all the same thing, it's the same three chords. Like, that's radical, yeah. that's not normal. Like, you know, like it's, it's, emo itself is radical. And if you like bring in the other radical, like if you start talking about it actually, like in the songs, the life that you were living as an, in, like as an emo uh, 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 musician, then like, I don't know if I've ever thought of it as radical. I'm not going to 100% be ready for it, but I almost am because of what you said about the gender bending. And because when I think back to it, people were pissed about emo for like a decade. They were just so angry that it existed. Well, it was even more than over a decade because it originally like started in like the late 80s, early 90s, with like Rites of Spring. So it sounded more like kind of Dashboard Confessional-esque with a little bit of punk in there. And everyone was like, I'm not going to be called fucking emo. Because it was just called <laughs> emotional music. And it was a bunch of dudes who are in these old school hardcore punk bands who are like big and really like, I'm not emotional. It's like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, you are. You're singing about your girlfriend yeah. leaving you. It's literally yeah. all people that were inspired <laughs> by like hardcore punk bands. And they're like, yeah, I want to do that. But I also want to do it while talking about like my own experience, like mm-hmm. my own feelings and what I go through. And all these girls that broke up with me, why? And then they were like, cool, we did that. Now we're going to do the theatrical end of it, which I imagine these are, you know, like Panic at the Disco and Mike Hem, who were probably more into like the 80s, uh, where it was similar, like gender bending and hair metal and makeup and all that. And so they wanted to come out and do a really theatrical performance with it, not just be like, we're just dudes in t-shirts and here's our songs that we wrote. More like, let's put the thing behind it. And if you look at how time has gone is my chem will probably be seen as the biggest band of the I of the scene yeah and they they stopped on a high note and they did everything they needed to do they and didn't they said, burn cool, out they literally just were like we're just we're done this exactly. isn't going to be what we want and they knew when to step away exactly. even though everyone's like i fucking hate they did it's like <laughs> listen bitch me too but they did what they needed to do yeah. and they produced amazing albums i just need like, another tour I know. I was waiting for it because I'd never seen them live, and I was like, I know. I was like, I'm gonna take all my money because they were, they were, they were like, we're gonna release Death Never Stop. He was like, fucking ready. I'm gonna go. They were like, we're breaking up. I was like, the fuck you talking about? (laughs) What do you mean? But like, when I listened to my chem in in high school, was like, oh. Sweet, so I can actually just wear makeup as like a normal thing now. Yeah. Like I can just do that. Mm-hmm. And then it was like uh, Pete Wentz was doing it, and because we're in Chicago, like it was such a big thing for like we don't need to talk about. Pete. I yeah, just want to talk about Pete's eyeliner. But it was like you know everybody knew that Fall Boy, Fall Boy was growing up in the the suburbs around my suburb, and then uh, you know everybody was like, oh yeah, they're this cool band, and the guy wears eyeliner, and I'm like, cool, I can do that. So I put on eyeliner, and all these girls were like, holy shit, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna ride this one out, like this yeah, works. Yeah, eyeliner, like, okay, but like eyeliner still is even like, ooh. Yeah, but like that's the thing. Yeah, Me that's too. the thing is like it 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 popularized it in a way, mm-hmm. but it was still like a lot of people hated it, and a lot of people were like, I don't like that 
this is happening. And I'm like, nice. I, I like that you hate it. I like yeah, that you're not yeah. into this. So I, I, I think in one way, it's that rebelliousness of even just like the random kid in the suburbs who's like, yeah, I wanted to wear makeup, but I needed to see somebody doing it. And I needed it to become just a little bit cool or a little bit rebellious. And I needed my parents to say I hate it so that I can be like, fuck you, mom. And then you just throw on your eyeshadow and you leave the house. <laughs> you get a ride in your friend's car because you can't like, drive yet because you're like, only 17. Beep, beep. So many people in the emo communities that I meet, or, or how about this, in the organizing community, like 90%, most of the people in organizing are gay as hell. Like, mm -hmm. that's like a thing. Like, a lot of the people in organizing are gay, trans, and black and brown. And do, that's do you think it makes you gay because of the gay agenda? I feel like we, yes, but <laughs> wow. also because like, I knew they it. are like the most <laughs> oppressed. So, like, when you mm -hmm. look at it, like, you got, like, being a, a, a black. Uh, you're being black and gay and a woman is like you are fucked so it's like you of course like you're gonna go into organizing mm -hmm. if you're trans of course you're gonna go into organizing and all those people grew up on emo music mm -hmm. and so like those communities are in there and they like and they were were drawn to emo not just because it was sad and they related to it but also because like they relate to it on this other level and like follow that I mean like even like emo like we're talking about like, My Chemical Romance Gerard Way is one a big ass nerd and I love it and yep. two anti-capitalist as fuck yep. like if you read his comics they are all about anti-capitalism <laughs> yep. it's like every single oh my god what was the one like right now he's doing Umbrella Academy he's doing well, Umbrella before after Umbrella Academy the one he did that's supposed to be like Doomsday not Doomsday uh, the uh, Danger Days mm. it, like, it was just was, called Killjoys it was just based off of Danger Days just yeah. Killjoys and their whole entire background well, it was called not have yeah Patrol, it was about yeah, the killjoys yeah. it was like a like a 12 issue series maybe yeah it was it, it just yeah. made like one graphic novel i have it at home actually oh. yeah <laughs> he's like yeah when that book was coming out like of course i was like of course you put because i also work at a comic book store um and it's like it's all about anti-capitalism that whole last album is about anti-capitalism it's about like rejecting like everything that is being forced onto you and rising up and taking back the means of production. And it's like, <laughs> and people don't realize that that's what they're like taking in. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, and that's what, that's what all of their shit is about. Like, <laughs> the first album, they got to think about like fighting against war. Like we don't need war. We don't need like all this money. Go they're mm -hmm. like, and, and people don't realize that that's what they're ingesting. But so much of the emo and pop punk community is incredibly radical. Well, like, here's the man. thing, too, with Killjoys. I feel that I experience more interaction with people who only saw. They're like, they're being individual from that, which they are yeah. being individual yeah. because they're, you know, they're colorful. They're trying to fight against the Drax and everything who are, you know, assimilated, just wearing all white. And they have those those faces on and they're just doing what they're doing. Yeah. And I'm like, OK, but there's a deeper level. They're like, no, it's just individuality. Why are you making it political? It's like you're... They they said that they wrote it and they were like we don't have a specific uh, meaning behind this like we just wanted to make like really cool visuals and then we were listening to a lot of David Bowie and we wanted to make that as yeah. our songs uh, and then I'm like nah but you got something there like you have there's to clearly Gerard is so he like tries to be ch like right now I'm reading Doom Patrol because mm -hmm. I've always read Doom Patrol it's my favorite series ever I collect it uh, and. He's like, it's also still super anti-capitalist. I'm like, this nigga, you can't tell me that he's not. <laughs> you can't. Like, he's so, he's like smooth with it. Yeah. He's like, 
I mean, he literally grew up on just like reading comic books and and saying, "Okay, I'm going to start a band, but I'm going to write lyrics about comic books yeah. and horror movies like, and just try to emulate like the Misfits and Iron Maiden and do shit like that." See, but I feel like there's something. There's some kind of disconnect that happens, though, because the oh, artists sure. themselves may be radical as hell, but, like, that doesn't make the space... When I'm watching, like, a system at, like, Riot Fest or something with these people who can yeah. fucking afford... So Riot Fest happens across the street from my mom's house. Mm-hmm. We Ooh. cannot afford to go. And, like, so... Homie got friends in Riot Fest. They gonna help me figure out how to get these free tickets we're supposed <laughs> to be getting that they were supposed to be giving us the whole time. But, like, it's it's really weird to me to be, like, a lifelong. Like, I grew up on, like, metal and punk and and, and somewhat emo <laughs> um, music. And in addition to music that was also emotional and radical, mm-hmm. like Marvin Gaye, very emotional, uh-huh. okay? Very um, reggaeton, yeah. always crying yeah. about the person Super. who just broke up with you. But, like, you know, but, like, I love it. I love Riot Fest. is like, my dream, but it's, like, it's across the street from my mama house. But, like, then it's, like, we can't afford to get in and we're locked out. And there's all this security. Mm-hmm. And it puts your community on hold. Yeah, and that's not fucking radical. Like, we're talking about it. We're yeah. Like working with, we're, I'm, working, I'm working on it. Yeah. Okay, I'm working on yeah, it. Yeah, because it's a struggle, <laughs> but it's the system that we, and this is what I'm talking about, we need to be uniting because it's the system we operate in where you've got like creators and you've got people like even in the festival who are thinking about like mm-hmm. how to break down these paradigms, um, but we still are dealing with a city that like all the other festivals are based off of the, they're down with the racist shit Rom's down with, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like we're dealing with a, 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 a city, well, my Ruido Fest, you know? Yeah, which is, oh yeah, yeah, right, exactly, yeah, fucking exactly, (laughs) you know, um, yeah, we gotta, because we gotta change the way that things work, yeah, like, yeah, Riot Fest seems like they're the festival, at least, uh, I only really know Chicago festivals, I'm not gonna talk nationwide, but at the very least, like, Riot Fest seems to always be doing as much as they can for the communities that they impact, and I know that was a big thing when they got kicked out of Humboldt Park, because they said we are doing as much as we can for the community while we're there for the weekend because we know we're impacting the community and so i i i, I assume that they're doing as much as they can because they they say that but maybe you know a bit more to say like it's if they like, are if there's more they can do like there are certain things i can't say because my best friend books right of course so of course like, some of course. things i'm like i gotta protect his job yeah um we love riot fest um, we do i do I'm I we do love riot fest. i assume that I mean, nobody from riot love fest listens we, to this we podcast. love every year for free <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I never pay for it because I'm broke. But it's like, it's, the thing is, it's like, to, it's one thing to say I'm doing as much as I can. Anybody can say they're doing as much as they can. Um, but if you are not going about it in an informed way of that community, mm-hmm. if you're not like, if you, you have this festival in this neighborhood, if you don't have people that work for that festival consistently going to community meetings, knocking on the doors and getting to know the people in that community, finding out what it is that they need and want. Or hiring them, because we need jobs for high unemployment in this neighborhood. And I mean, we're getting pushed out of our homes. Or or, or even like having organizers that work in those communities and bringing them on to be like, look, we're in this, we know that this is a marginalized community of black and brown poor folks. What can we do to like so that it's not like we're just taking over your spot like Mm -hmm. what can we do to help y'all that's like so it's like we're doing as much as we can but then what does that mean to you like you have to step out of your box and be like well what how can i do this in a more informed way of for the people that are marginalized that i'm supposedly helping Mm -hmm. like is giving out a bunch of turkeys we were just talking about this last night in the car 
giving out a bunch of turkeys, that's one of the things they do mm. um, to those communities. Half of those houses don't even have stoves. To assume that every wow. every home has a stove is a privileged way of thinking. That every uh, home has a refrigerator mm. is a privileged way of thinking. And it's, or even like has gas on or electricity. It's like you, like we take so much of what we have for granted um, but that's not the norm for the majority of this country. Yeah. And so it's like, you, that's you doing as much as you can, but that's not, what is that doing for those people? Yeah. I'm telling you, know, team up, do shit together, man. <laughs> we about to, like, <laughs> seriously, we just had a talk. I was just talking to Luba. It's about to go down. <laughs> Let me tell you, like, Riot Fest is going to be black as hell, okay? <laughs> black and never. And it's a new, it's a new black punk fest that may or, anyway, we don't talk about that another time. Mm-hmm. Riot Fest, yeah, and I think, and I was really, it was really cool for me to meet folks in Riot Fest and like, talk to them and be like, oh shit, you work on, shit, you work on similar shit, like in your spare time. You can't like, be best friends with me like, I was like, cool. <laughs> oh, and, and, um, you know, like, you know that they get scared when, like, the, you know, the angry white, I've always loved the, the fact that, like, white society is so oppressive that it creates nests of angry white people who then make grunge bands and shit, um, cause it's giving me a place to hand out flyers, like, oh place to get drunk, like, um, people who are easily organized to go against, like, the power structure, shit, they might be doing it already, like, it's great, you know, and there's nothing more terrifying than, um, than radical unity across the race line, because like just hanging out and high-fiving Hillary Clinton and Michelle Obama like high-fiving or some shit that shit ain't never gonna be radical um, but like really going against the power system from our unique positions take advantage of your positions you got some privilege then that's just even more damage you can do to the enemy <laughs> or even more you know it's just it's just more are you or like not even reimagining like everything becomes possible when we like literally focus on like doing shit mm-hmm. yeah that's all instead of actually keeping to each other's designated scene yeah because that's another big thing i see where everyone's like i'm in my niche and yeah. that's it yeah. and it's like okay but you know guys there's a lot of other things out there yeah. i'm just saying and i mean this is coming from a chick who mainly only primarily listens to like rock and punk and emo and pop punk like I don't really branch out much outside, but I, you can also see that there's so much more diversity that's out there. It could be out there, but everyone just pigeonholes themselves mm-hmm. because they want to be comfortable. They don't want to... And I get it, at least in the emo scene, because, you know, all these kids growing up, they were like, oh, well, I was, you know, made fun of, and I was the odd one out. Why would I want to do that in another area? And it's like, okay, but these other people feel the same way, just probably in a different way, but they feel you. And as long as you're not a dick about it... Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like that's the biggest thing is that people want to keep themselves separated. And I feel like it is, again, because of the fear, because of comfort, and because they rather just not interact with it because they don't want to complicate their own lives. But then your life going to get complicated anyway. You know you walk around with student loan debt. You know you live in a lie. You know once they finish gentrifying the neighborhood, your broke ass won't be able to afford to live here either. So anyway, stop also too, like when you think about it, like black kids are we're raised not we're not really allowed to be sad. Mm. Uh, mm. and that's like one tier yeah like, you'd be like shut the fuck up what you crying about like I work every day I got three jobs and blah 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 which is not always the case they're playing like kids who don't come from those kinds of homes but like still like 
Growing up, I was told, you know, like, when I was listening to, like, emo, they were like, oh, you listen to these white people music, all these white kids, I got no reason to be sad, but they're just, like, sad because they, like, have to have something to fill their time in the suburbs. And, and <laughs> it was are like, sad. like, it was like, well, I'm sad too. But, you can't, know, can't like, parents would be like, well, what do you have to be sad about? Like, our ancestors were sad. They suffered. They struggled. Like, they fought and died so that you don't have to be sad, which is, like, the wrong mindset. And so it's like, like, I, I don't want to, in this case, just say that it's, uh, that we're being kept out of those communities so much or that, like, there's no, like, relation it's also like it comes out of us too like a lot like we're told like i said like i was called like super white for listening to it mm -hmm. um when it was just like nah i'm just sad like <laughs> i'm sad like you but i admit it yeah uh, i don't know but then like also like if people like actually look at it and go you know well what is it that 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 makes emo it's like being outcast and being different like i promise you if you look into the history of most rappers they were not cool mm -hmm. they were outcasts they were like sitting in the back of the room writing lyrics and making beats they were sending poems to the girls that they liked and being rejected because who want fuck wants a poem um, <laughs> and it was like uh you know and like came out and like put their heart on the line like when you get to like uh hip-hop like changing in the late 80s and the early 90s like that's all that's emo it's aggressive uh like punk mm -hmm. and it's like it's coming from a totally different perspective but that's just emo and punk as hell and it was like breaking down barriers and like opening up a new world of music and it's like those people are just as outcast um those people like have just as real problems with sadness and depression and and loneliness it's just like it's actually like looking at like when I, when when you can look at it that way that most music anyway is coming out of like really just like validating what you're feeling and the rest of the world is telling you is not okay to feel then it's it's easier to like break out of that like emo is everywhere everybody's yeah. emotional it's not just for white kids in the suburbs it's for <laughs> all of us even kanye be emo you know those cries for help you listen to the lyrics there's cries for help in there i feel like everything Can't i feel like his entire life is a cry for help at this point i don't know yeah, but Meek Mill shouted him out in his new album, and it made me laugh so hard. He was like, you talking about that's a... Anyway, everybody just go listen to Meek Mill's album. It's actually really great. Okay. I was not expecting it. I don't know why, but oh, he just saw it. <laughs> that man is also... He went through a lot the last couple of years. Yeah. He's, like, really... Oh, it's... Oh. <laughs> it's an emo album. Like, most of it. Not oh, all of no. it. Some of it is just about bitches and hoes, but the rest of it is, like... <laughs> But that's the thing, and that's another thing, though, like, also, like, emo takes on new tinges once you start seeing, like, because, like, black emos and black metal and black punk kids, like, still have, like, we still grew up in, not always, some people, do, I mean, you know, people grew up in different areas, but there's still, like, also this very, out of this, in particular, this current generation and kids maybe a couple years older than them, there's this really interesting, like, thing coming out and i think audrey's revenge fits into that of like it's like it's real hood it's real metal you don't know what it is but they not scared of blood whatever genre you put it in like it's really i don't know i think it's it's uh it's a barrier breaking down on its own just by black people like comfortably being like yeah i do play electric guitars not just like that one time lil wayne played an electric guitar but like you know what do you mean like when he also decided he wanted to be a skateboarder he went through a lot, you know? That's what happens when you work for Birdman. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> but, like, 
Yeah, like, I mean, there are, like, emo... I don't know. I was gonna say there are a bunch of, like, emo black bands out there, and there are. You got Radkey. Who did? Radkey fucks oh. so hard. They did that teen tiny Yes! Thing. I was about to bring that up. I was about to bring that up. It's so hard. Brian, have you ever heard of this? Were you at that show? Like, Radkey. I wasn't. No, I don't have any friends who, like, listen to it. Oh, and Jake, you know, Jake was just like, what? Like, it was, yeah. I was like, they just did the Teen Titans theme. It was the best thing in the world. How could you not go oh. off to, I don't, I don't care who's, oh, who's covering God. it. How could you just not go off yeah, to that yeah, song? I mean, that's real. That's but real. They're like, but they also get it, too. Like, if you look at the fan bases of all the nerd shit, like, most of the emo, like, y'all, I'm telling you, like, people don't realize it until you hang out in black spaces that all those kids listen to emo and pop punk bands. And it's not all, those, all of them. Okay, a lot, but not all of them. But a lot of them listen to emo and pop punk bands and the rest of them are lying. They're in secret. Uh, oh, whoa. And they, like, they, like, they, like, they, they, like, watch, they watch cartoons, like, all these cartoons that are mainly white people, and they're, like, all totally into it, and they, like, no, I'm, like... Well, that's because the cartoons like, aren't allowed to be... Continue. Right. No, like, most, most, like, I'm, like, if you go, you walk into a room of black folks and you say Dragon Ball Z, everybody starts fucking talking. Okay. All that right. is now, not. Wait, now, wait, wait, hold on. Now, the fact that Dragon Ball Z is white people has to do with the fact that Asians aren't allowed to be Asian either. No, I'm not For saying that it's white people. <laughs> when they came out with Parasite in America, they turned the little boy white. I didn't even watch the movie because I'm like, why do you have to do that? Well, I mean, they also did that in the live action Dragon Ball Z movie they made. Uh, yeah. Like, but also they made a terrible movie. I don't know if we talk about... Well, it's the same movie. thing with, like, Avatar Last Airbender. The real people, we don't talk about it. We don't talk, we about, don't talk it. about it. But it's like, the thing is, it's like, these are things that are considered white. Uh, it's not white. No, it's not. It's considered like a white boy nerd country. Yeah. yeah. In, in, like in they're the a US, wee, but yeah. their only girlfriends yeah. are, you know, anime girls. Now, Brian. Now hold on. Now hold on. I'm like. <laughs> See, not okay. Well, I mean, yeah, and also no. Okay, I am a huge anime fan. I wanna, I just, I just wanna say <laughs> that this might, this, this might. Okay, no, I don't fully accept this. So I guess, yeah, you're right. Okay, so anime is weird. Anime is weird. It's I weird. like it. You know, it's, it's fine. You know, I watch it. I on think it. Basis, so I like it. I think that it's becoming more uh, like Michael B. Jordan has done so many interviews where he shouts out like anime and he's like clearly referencing Dragon Ball Z in Black Panther. And I was like, holy shit, I fucking love this. But also I am a white kid who grew up watching anime. So that's also me. You also <laughs> grew up on Dragon Ball Z. Well, and then Ed, well, you even have uh, Neo Yoko the, um, the from Ezra Cohen. Yeah, that like it's by the Vampire Weekend's front men. Yeah, and you're just like, this is a white kid. Like, what's going on? Yeah. And I remember hearing a lot of mixed reviews about it, but obviously people who love Vampire Weekend are like, there's something wrong with it. Yeah. I haven't watched it personally. I think the only anime I've ever watched is Castlevania, if you can count it. Avatar. Oh, yeah. okay. um, Attack on Titan, because it's bloody. And Attack then that's really it. I saw. Oh, yeah. And then, like, that's in Sailor Moon, because I grew up watching Hell it like yeah, Tsunami. And then, like, that's it. I don't watch any other <laughs> you know, you know now that I, I yeah. yeah, I remember in Toonami because I was like, why are the two? What was it, Sailor Neptune and 
of the, yeah. yeah. They were like dubbing it. They're like they're cousins, and I'm like, they look kind of awfully close for cousins. Mm. Like, yeah. I feel uh, like if you're playing it on yeah. tsunami though, and it's kind of catered like to, during that yeah. to like you know younger kids, it's like. I don't feel like that's uh, comfy. And then, like, I watched it later, and I was like, oh, they're gay, and they censored it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, like, had that realization. I was like, oh. And then I realized later in life what gay was, because I had no idea. Until I was, like, <laughs> took a health class in, like, high school. And I was like, oh. Uh, okay. Yeah. That makes so much more gay. sense. Yeah. And it's so less uncomfy. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a thing that exists in the world. <laughs> cool. There's, like, for real, there's, like, a, it's a specific genre of anime of, like, brothers and sisters or, like, twins being, like, or, like, they don't actually get together, but they do things. But it's highly in people on to be, like, uh, what is it, Oran Host Club? There's, ah, I'm such a fucking nerd. Oh, no, I think I've, I think I've watched that one. I think so. So it's, like, there are these twin brothers. Yes, yeah, yeah. And they, like get like they're like it's very sexual and very uncomfortable <laughs> but they're like oh brother oh i'm sorry let me kiss that boo-boo for you and then they're like don't like that like, really and, and it's like like girls get don't like that yeah it's like supposed to be like, that. like i don't know how girls are getting that's, that's so <laughs> they uncomfy they have these clubs like, in japan where you can go to and like just have somebody who's paid to take care of you who's yeah. paid to like be nice to you yeah like paid to like talk to you and pretend to be on a date with you and pretend that and people like pay money to keep going back yeah it's a thing yeah and so they just made an anime about that not even sex not even touching no they don't kiss you they don't touch you they may clean your ears with a q-tip yeah that's a thing that's a fucking thing that's gross i don't like that yep i don't know if i trust anime likers now anymore oh no it's uh that's just in this just went from like zero to a thousand well if you're a weeb i don't know if i can trust you listen i am not a weeb uh, I don't know why Brian's lying. Yes. I did. I called out my manager at work. I called him a weeb because he was explaining to my other coworker about Dragon Ball C, and I was like, "Oh, that's a weeb." And my coworker was like, "What's a weeb?" And I just looked at him like, "How the fuck don't you know you're a weeb? You're like 23 years old." And my manager has this Pokemon coffee mug, and he was explaining. He was like, "Well, weeb is like somebody who like." Like, a considerable amount of anime, like, didn't include anything else. I was like, yeah, so you're a fucking weeb. And he was like, I only like a small amount of anime. I'm like, shut the fuck up, you're a weeb. Because weebs are, like, they're on that, what's it, what do you want to go, extreme level. Yeah. They're like, it's like, they're fucking, like, they've got the dolls and they buy the swords and, you know, and, like, everything in their life is that they dress like an anime character. Don't like that. Like that shit. Or, like, run with their arms behind their back. Naruto. (laughs) I've seen that so many times lately and I hate it. I didn't know it still existed. That's, That's when okay. you don't talk to people. Not, okay, You're just like, get the fuck away from no, me. I sit and binge anime in my apartment, oh, yeah. okay? When I, I live alone, I binge anime in my apartment. But I do not walk out here running with my arms behind me. Okay? I'm so proud like, of you. I'm a normal, everyday person who also loves cartoons, okay? And oh just, my god. I love, I love, and anime is such a, it's a different art form. We're not gonna get into, but it's just like we have to respect. <laughs> we it. are into we it. Have to have an you have to have an episode where people just talk about an anime and how it's so important. We might. I'm about it. Anime, which I think is a really like underrated group. 
Pronounce it, and well, I was like, anime. <laughs> I was like, I think it's anime. They're like, I don't know. I remember. I remember. We actually talked about this in my work a couple weeks ago because the kid who does a concert calendar always has to Google bands because he doesn't know a lot of bands outside of like Grateful Dead and, and Dad Jam bands. <laughs> I know. Like, uh, you can only help people so much. Yeah, sometimes you just gotta leave them at the festival. If he, if he ever listens to this, sorry, Lil Andy, you can fight me in the office later. I wouldn't say that you're fighting me like that. I'm so sorry, real person. Real, real person. I have real friends who like Grateful Dead, too. And they make you listen to it. I'm so sorry. Really? Oh, I can't do that. Reba? We had senior year of high school. Our economics teacher was like, for the last day of class, since we're not doing anything because you're going to graduate, you can bring in a DVD of your choice. And we'll all just like watch it. And this nigga, who didn't introduce me to, but he was the status that I wrote about, like, we both like the Academy is. Yeah. Brought in a Fish Live, two Fish Live concert DVDs. That's like at least four hours. Nobody else brought in a DVD. through like a 15 minute yeah. song you have <laughs> to be on head. something so to be honest not to, to be honest i can't even judge grateful dead or fish fans because i went through a really bad um college era well late high school early college era animal collective phase i saw them live in multiple white countries i never want to hear that band name again In my college radio station, we would do. We were twenty four seven, so we would have overnights. So we would be. So people would work midnight to three or three to six a.m. So if they wanted to get an extended nap, they would just put on like a fish song and a Grateful Dead song. Oh the God. main popular one because Reba was like fifteen minutes. Then they put another Grateful Dead song that was like another fifteen minutes, and then they put on some other jam band song, a like King Crimson, thirteen minutes, and they get like a forty five minute nap. Oh my God. So I good. definitely did that. <laughs> <laughs> Just force them to listen. You who's listening? Oh, so who's listening to a college radio station in suburbia at two thirty, three in the morning on a weekday? I definitely did. Listen Someone who to really a likes Grateful Dead. Because a lot of crazy old people. Somebody who was doing that station. Yeah. Crushes make you do a lot of dumb shit. Oh. Yeah. Emo music. Emo music. <laughs> you got a crush. Write an entire album about them. Like, just talk about how great they are. How they'll never notice you. And how they broke your heart. And Even though they never talked yeah. to you. Yeah. <laughs> me, my life story. Uh, I'm so sad that you never talked to me. How dare you? Yeah. Well, on that note. Uh, no, it's all right. I am... Um, 
I love the conversation we're having. We're at about an hour, so uh, I just wanted to make sure that we got all of your plugs out of the way oh, so that you yeah. can talk about the organization. Again, the event is on December 19th, a Wednesday at Emporium in Wicker Park on Milwaukee Avenue, although they're both in Milwaukee Avenue, so that doesn't really help if you're searching for Get up Emporium on the Damon Blue Line stop. Yeah, it's off uh, uh, Damon it's Blue of Line. California. Um, but yeah, uh, give us some more places that we can find you on the internet so that if people want to support, get involved, uh, you know, in whatever ways that they can. Um, well, right now, a lot of focus, of course, has been, so it's like, we're making a lot of changes, but a lot of our work, uh, is in person kind of, uh, and like hashtags and, uh, it's like so a lot of social media campaigns. So like with No Cop Academy, like if you were to look it up, it's hashtag No Cop Academy. Mm. Uh, and it's like following those hashtags, following like what's going on whenever we lose somebody, like Jamel Roberson. If you're following those hashtags, you're gonna find so much to get involved in. If you're like, uh, or like let me give a starting place. Next Wednesday. Correct. Uh, is the last day to vote on the no, on the Cop Academy, mm. uh, and so folks will be getting to City Hall uh, <clears throat> for that City Council meeting. It starts at ten, so you get there like eight thirty, nine o'clock to make sure that you can get in. You get in there, you show up. You're gonna meet so many people that are organizing because the thing about organizing is that you're not gonna find like you you can like figure out like how to get more involved online and like looking, but a lot of it is like just going to shit and meeting people and then going to their shit and then like figuring out what works best for you because you're going to probably go through a bunch of different works that you're like I don't really like this but you meet somebody else that's in a part of something else and you're like you know I like what you're doing I can mm. get involved in this and like so making it whatever it is that you want your focus to be like do you want to focus on police brutality do you want to focus on poverty do you want to focus on homelessness do you want to focus on sexual assault like where do you want to go and then follow that path into what it is that you want to do and there's like because there's something going on every single day like it's difficult for me to be like oh where do you go uh like maybe you know but like for me it's like just so much all over the place mm -hmm. um yeah i mean i think like if you mean specifically like where to find us we're at blm shy and we're at those hashtags you're just talking mm -hmm. about um but yeah it really is just like you know follow the hashtags and the issues and uh and also there is a need like no cop for instance it's a hashtag well actually most of our campaigns are hashtag oriented but what people don't see is that we still gotta be doing stuff like like there's real time like actions and activities happening all the time and it's like way less cool than shutting down city hall and yeah. way less cool than chasing around out of buildings but it's way more important and like so for instance last winter this winter we knock on doors like in the snow to talk to people about how to fucking fix our neighborhoods because the city depends on us not doing that shit in the snow. So if you're down with that, whatever neighborhood you're in, it don't. It's not about coming to my neighborhood. Like we've got citywide issues. Like mm -hmm. if, there, if you want to plug in, like um, you can go to nocapacademy.com and find out about things that people can do like in their community. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah. not that real work that's so hard to do that everyone has a day job. So no one can do it all the time. But if everybody gets like two hours, like boom, you got like 2,000 hours. Yeah. If we got like 20 people to do two hours of work of the shit that we do all day, my life would be, no, I would just have other things that I can do. So <laughs> <never mind. laughs> no, but then the world would be like so much, a lot of it is like, people see this like mysticism around like mm. organizing sometimes. Mm. Like, oh, like what's, look what at is organizing? <laughs> what is it? It's like a t-shirt. <laughs> it's like not all of that. We're like literally regular people. I have a 
I did laundry this week. It was the first time in a It reminds me I need to get quarters. You know, and that's the thing. And, like, BLM is especially about, like, regular people. You know, and, like, and there's a lot of good groups. Like, People's Response Team and, like, FTP. For the People Artist Collective. Which is, ooh, everybody, yeah. If you can make a sick metal t-shirt, you can make a sick campaign t-shirt. Hell yeah. Really, though. And, like, talking to people and it's really hard especially we're talking like email folks it's incredibly difficult to talk to anybody but like you can also like just reach out if you go to those hashtags and you're like you hit up like if you were to direct message us on 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 twitter it might take a bit for us to get back to you uh but like terrified of me i just it's so (laughs) all day uh, i get notifications about messages but it's like if you like hit up different like groups and you're like, hey, I want to get involved. Like, what do I do? And they'll be like, we got a meeting on this day, or we need people to phone bank for this, and we need this, this, and that. Like, honestly, if everybody that ever listens to this wants to get involved, and you send me an email at ariel.dadkins at gmail.com, I will, I will hook you up. I will set you out there. And I know <laughs> that that's like, but I give my email out like constantly. Mm-hmm. But it's A-R-I-E-L-D as in Deanna, A-T-K-I-N-S at gmail.com. I'll like send you somewhere like I've got we've got like a weekly email that I spent like three hours working on today that you can like that'll give you like things that you can do and actual tasks because so much of organizing like people think that it's like activism you're going to actions and rallies and like Maria was saying like it's a lot of like like behind the scenes type shit like what did we spend we spent hours getting research for this whips campaign and that's like I have a full-time job and then like I'll end up up like till two in the morning like working on as soon as I get off work just going to meetings and then getting all this research done or getting out this agenda or figuring out how like the strategy for this and like sending Maria messages at like 3 a.m. about like I just had this idea so it's uh, like if we could have people like helping and doing that work like I get like if you can't like leave your job at 10 a.m. to like go bother Rom but if you (laughs) could like like on a Saturday just like call a bunch of people like we got like phone making list that's like 300 people and like we got like 20 people to break that down and like we could get through so that's much shit so, much so i mean i'm, <laughs> I'm trying to be nice like trying not to scare them 300 people on the list for show and only 30 doors to knock on but we're doing this every weekend for the rest of the election so yeah so like, yeah like if you want to like it's like look, looking at who is running for alderman in your mm-hmm. ward uh or looking at who is running for mayor it's like asking like how can i help with database because a lot of people like get these petitions and then that information has to be entered somewhere uh it's like it's so easy to get an organ it's like literally the easiest thing in the world but again you can hit me up in my email and i'll like send you somewhere uh and i'll like like because we always need yeah like serious and I'll say from my perspective, it's always best to start with your thing, things you like, things yep. you're good at, things you enjoy doing, activities you enjoy, because most of the time, you know, well, okay, communism, <laughs> you know, everybody does a little work, free to do the work they enjoy and learn how to do it if you don't know how yet, you know, and that's kind of, it's kind of how anti-capitalist work, anti-capitalist work, organizing works, you like, you got something you do, bring that shit to the table, we got mm-hmm. some shit, you got some shit, ooh, if you're really good at doing research, hit me up. If you're really good at making des- uh, or designing flyers, that's like something that is always needed. Building websites, uh, talking, uh, hosting, uh, spoken word, like literally all of it. You can, anything can be. Cooking. Mm, cooking. Sure. Yeah. Uh, playing space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
getting people to donate money. Yeah. <laughs> Organizing is very expensive. Writing music. Mm. Printing, we always need printing because printing is expensive. So people like, I, you can use my job's printer for free. That mm. is always. Memes? No, those are really important. Graphics are super important. They are. Movement. Yeah. Yeah. Comedic videos making fun of your alderman. I would appreciate more of those. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about the, uh, the Chance one that he did. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. That's what I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love it. I also, like, I immediately saw Hannibal Burris in it, and I was like, <laughs> I need to watch this immediately. Yeah, he's great. I've seen him a lot. He's also kind of creepy. He, like, Yikes. When I, before, when I was still in the closet, so my ex is a comedian, and so, like, when Hannibal, he, like, goes to, like, regular shows all the time. Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah, and just, like, shows up, and people, of course, like, give him a spot. And, like, one night, <laughs> we were at Cole's, or the open mic after another show, and he was, like, hitting on me, and he wouldn't, like, look at my partner. And <laughs> it was the funniest thing in the world. But he does that. Like, he's super creepy around girls. Funny as hell, but, like, also real creepy. But at the same yeah. time, that's all comedians. They're, like, super creepy, so. We're finding that out. People. Yikes. Yikes. I did it two years. Two years. What a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> when the jokes stop. Oh, oh my god. Just, they're not even funny. They make everything jokes. And they're like, that's how I deal with life. And it's like, and that's why you like were sleeping um, on a mattress on the floor for five years. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah. Mm, not an excuse. It's not an excuse. No. As as somebody who uses humor to get through shit, it's not an excuse. <laughs> it's just it's a coping mechanism, but you still need therapy. <laughs> yes. Ooh, I need I need everybody to like make a status that says comedians still need therapy, and then we can actually look into like how the cost. Of you know what's actually funny? Them. I'm actually friends on Facebook with someone I went to college with, and she's like a comedian. She'll go to like our local improv thing and do it. And I actually, some of my really good friends are trying to be comedians, and all they do is just self-deprecate on themselves, and it's kind of funny. But I'm just gonna post that, and then they're just gonna be like, "You're right." <laughs> you right because yeah. they are they're, they're just like you right doing comedy is not a replacement for therapy I promise <laughs> it is just not I'm just I'm gonna so. oh <laughs> 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 too many emo songs about dead friends to overdose like come on yeah Sorry, I didn't mean to be emo insensitive <laughs> <laughs> hateful against the emos <laughs> emo hate I mean, they're still like one of my best friends, so it's fine. <laughs> I forgive you. I've been in a comedian for two years. It doesn't get much worse than that. Oh my god. So. <laughs> well, on that positive note. <laughs> Yeah, come be emo with, yeah. with us on December 19th uh, from Black Lives Matter, Chicago, Ariel, Maria. $5 suggested donation. $5 suggested donation. Bring your cash. Support uh, support people in your community. Support people that need support. And uh, and don't, don't be a jackass. Yeah. And paint your nails. And, and wear guy Yeah. That's that's ep- that's Very the ep- that's the episode. Uh, uh, bye. See Peace you later. Guys. We Peace. also we don't do intros. We don't do outros.